Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast. Let's buy your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sonny D. All right, yesterday I did it. It was the time to get out and vote. It was the Manitoba election. The results are in. The PCs have been re-elected with a majority government. Uh, They won the election with 36 seats. The NDP finished with 18. The Liberals with three. The Green and other parties with zero each. Uh, I think a lot of people might have thought the PCs or probably expected the PCs to win. Uh, I think that was kind of the overall consensus. Uh, A couple of things to note, and I talked about this last... uh, on the election episode was this uh i wanted a high voter turnout apparently this is the second lowest voter turnout in the history of a provincial election in manitoba so just goes to show i think people just almost didn't kind of give a shit is is my impression is there weren't enough issues to really bring out the vote to cause people to have inspiration motivation to vote right there's People always think the opposite of satisfaction is dissatisfaction, right? But that's not quite the case. Uh, You see, they're not opposite. They are two separate feelings, emotions, and states of being. The opposite of satisfied is not satisfied. Just like the opposite of dissatisfied is not dissatisfied. Usually it takes you getting to one of those two uh, extremes, for lack of a better term, either satisfied or dissatisfied, to cause action. So you need to, so if, I, if you're voting, if you're trying to ch- cause change in the election, you're going to see a dissatisfied populace, right? So then they'll get out, they'll vote, they'll try and make sure their vote's heard. But if you think the status quo is going to stay the same, I, I, and that's kind of a problem in the electoral system itself, and kind of a voter mentality issue, is, is the public needs to be engaged. I think this was one time, or at least I can remember uh, from previous elections, this was what one time where the voters didn't really seem as engaged as they might have been in previous elections. I mean, that's a, that's a politician problem, not a voter problem. Uh, if the voters got what they wanted, they got what they wanted. And as I said, there was a lot, there's a very quiet election, an election process and campaign. There, you know, there wasn't new news, new announcements. Uh, there, there, it wasn't an aggressive campaign by really either side. Uh, the PCs kind of played it like it was theirs to lose and just kind of stood back and said, bring on the challenges. I, I, there wasn't enough. There was nothing being done uh, in terms of challenging and messages being sent out that could really upset the status quo. I think that, that was a bigger driver uh, towards the PC win. It's just that there wasn't enough attention brought to issues. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm against the PC win. I'm just looking at it as, as the mechanics of the election played out. I think that's a bigger telling of what really happened as opposed to thinking that just one party outworked the other. I think the challenging parties didn't do enough. As I had said, I couldn't even, when I, at, recording, at the time of recording the last episode, I couldn't even remember the uh, leader of the Liberal Party's name. And I mean, that's an issue in itself when you're trying to lead one of the official parties because uh, there is that uh, idea of official party status. And I use air quotes here, nobody can see me doing it, but using air quotes when I say official party status, uh, which the Liberals 
Having fallen down to three seats and now have lost, you needed the four seats. They lost that, so they no longer get official party status. Uh, but nonetheless, they did uh, manage to take three seats. Uh, John Gerard, as I predicted, did win in River Heights. In Tyndall Park, it was Cindy Lamaru that uh, got it done. It was, uh, and then it was the leader of the Liberals, who I'm drawing a blank right now, so I'm trying to look up uh, here what, uh, what uh, his name was. I know he won in St. Boniface. So that, uh, let's see here. All right, I think I have the, no, there you go. Oh, my word. Okay, find your writing. View full results. Maybe this will work. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I can pull up a different website here and get some different results. This is the problem with these interactive websites I find where they're trying to do too much. If they just slow your computer down, and maybe this laptop is a little older, I don't know. But regardless, uh, come on, here we go. St. Boniface was where the leader was. Uh, this is City Lamaru. Uh, John Gerard were the two other winners for the, ND, for the Liberals, uh, and their, litter, uh, the leader, the litter, their leader did get reelected. They held three seats. I think the four-seat achievement last time was a bit of an overachievement, if I'm being honest. I didn't think they were as strong a party as, uh, as that result had led. But also, I think there was such a huge dissatisfaction with the NDP, and the PCs did have such momentum that, I mean, last time was almost a slaughtering. The NDP went from a majority government to only winning 12. It's only having 12. Pardon me last time. Here it is. Okay. So, yes, uh, Dougald Lamont. That's right. Dougal Lamont is the current leader of the Liberal Party, uh, and he did win his seat uh, over uh, the NDP was in second, then it was the PC in third. Uh, what's interesting there is that was uh, former Premier Greg Selinger's seat, uh, and then he stepped down, and Dougal Lamont was technically reelected because he did win that seat in a previous by-election, so that's uh, something to keep in mind as well there. I'm uh, going to go look at my old uh, stomping ground, Fort Rouge, to see what happened there. Uh, but let's uh, see. So uh, as I wait for these results to load, let's keep talking uh, here and not waste any more airtime. So the big thing there is the PCs did look at these. Now, it also was because a couple of their uh, did uh, former MLAs became independent. Uh, Cliff Graydon, uh, there's an interesting story there. Now, he had some alleged sexual assault, I believe, or sexual abuse. I'm not sure. Uh, but nonetheless, they attributed it to misconduct. And uh, they felt that that was... So he was uh, let go from the party. Uh, the PC candidate in that area did win. And uh, that would have been in the area... Uh, so, in the, so in Fort Rouge, as I was loading up here, sorry. It was... Uh, Wob Canoe did win. So he's the NDP... Uh, the PC candidate actually came in second. So that goes to show kind of even there the perception of it being a uh, two kind of party uh, race there. Um, and, and just the strength kind of of the two perceived main parties in Manitoba. Now, it was Borderlands, I think, was the area. Yeah, Borderlands would have been the uh, area in which you would have had... Um, Cliff Graydon. So nonetheless, the PC candidate did win in uh, Borderlands, so they kept that seat. But it was just that it was interesting because the incumbent was a former PC who had now uh, become independent, decided to run again. And I mean, I'm not sure what exactly it was with uh, Cliff Graydon, 
So it would be purely speculative, so I don't want to get into that. Uh, but I will say this, like, good for him for uh, sticking it out. Uh, but Josh Gunter, uh, who at 25 years old um, will become one of the youngest MLAs, I believe, in history. So that'll be interesting to see uh, his role uh, in caucus. But here we go. Quick take on the area. M uh, MLA Cliff Graydon is running as an independent in his writing after being booted from PC caucus following allegations of sexual harassment. The writing of Borderland is new, replacing the former writing of Emerson. So uh, that is typically a PC stronghold uh, in terms of uh, just which, which party usually wins. Cliff Graydon was the PC. It's still held by the PCs. Uh, but a couple of big... Um, I guess one of the big uh, surprises was uh, so Cindy, Cindy Lamoureux was running in Tyndall Park against the incumbent who was an NDP in Ted Marcellino uh, and uh, beat him. So that so Cindy Lamoureux is quickly becoming, now I think as her father was a former MLA uh, for the Liberals and then became a MP. Cindy uh, is kind of becoming a bit of a rising star in provincial politics. So watch we'll to see some moves um, by Cindy Lamoureux here, as I do believe she might be the strongest Next to John Gerard, but I think the Liberals are trying to keep going to a new face. If that's the case, look to Cindy Lamaru to maybe in the upcoming election. We'll see if she starts to make some moves and some challenges for Dougal Lamont's leadership with the Liberals. Uh, the Liberals are kind of in a constant rebuilding phase, but again, holding three seats is actually quite an achievement for them. I didn't expect them to pick up additional seats, honestly, but Oh, with that being said, they did hold on to three. Uh, the NDP were the kind of the big winners. If, I, I mean, next to the PCs who won the election and got a majority, the NDP, in terms of seats gained, uh, were the big winners. They picked up six seats. Uh, the biggest one there would have been in St. Patel, actually, where uh, James Moses uh, beat uh, Colleen Mayer, who was the incumbent, and was um, also a cabinet minister. So that's, uh, that was an interesting result in itself, uh, that in St. Patel there was the uh, upset. Now, they were talking, and some of the coverage I was watching last night uh, was uh, they were saying that the NDP had invested a lot of resources in trying to take back St. Patel. I know it was one they'd won in the past. So, uh, yeah, it was Jamie Moses, uh, Jamie Moses, not James, Jamie, uh, defeated Colleen Mayer, who was the incumbent, uh, by... Uh, actually by about uh, 870 votes from the looks of it. Uh, 42 of 42 polls uh, recorded. So there you go. So again, typically in the writings that you saw a huge voter turnout, the story there is usually an overturning of the incumbent. Uh, that's, that's typically what I've seen a lot of um, in my time uh, watching and following elections, especially at the provincial level. You do see... Uh, that when there's a higher voter turnout, it's typically uh, to overturn. And uh, you're going to see uh, a move there uh, just in terms of uh, knocking out the incumbent. Uh, Mark Wazalu, uh did uh, win Fort Gary. Now, that was formerly held by James Allen. So uh, that in itself is kind of an interesting thing. So there you go. So the NDP, I believe, kept that one. I, I don't think it was um, won 
uh, by the PCs last time. I know it was it belonged to James Allen. And James Allen was uh, close to Greg Selinger, so it was kind of that was one of those moves that wasn't really too much of a surprise when Selinger left that other uh, politicians followed. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm trying to figure out where the piece, where the NDP gained their seats. Uh, other than the St. Patel one, uh, there would have been one up north. Drawing a blank here, uh, people, sorry, uh, for which ones they would have picked up. And then once they picked up six. Now, some of the rhetoric that comes out of um, the seat pickup becomes the idea of, oh, well, we picked up seats. It's a victory. And we oftentimes, we all get guilty of, it, of overselling our accomplishments and achievements. Whilst the NDP did pick up six seats, I don't declare that the big win of the night. The big win is still the PCs getting an overwhelming majority. Uh, this is still a, a, a group and a team that managed to win uh, 36 seats. A uh, little, that's fewer than last time, but still, uh, regardless, they had 47% uh, of the popular vote. That's quite a, a large uh, vote uh, turnout there. Uh, what's interesting enough, though, is, uh, again, uh, the Liberals um, managed to get almost 15% of the vote, 14 and a half. But nonetheless, the, the NDP are not, in my opinion, to look at this like a victory. Small, big, whatever you want to call it. To me, this is not a victory for them as a party because they didn't really gain any ground. They didn't make up sufficient ground to A, force the minorities, where they could have worked with the Liberals and kind of almost taken over and formed government that way. Uh, this was still, they are the opposition and opposition by quite a bit. Uh, there's still a huge gap to be made there. Uh, as a matter of fact, the PCs did uh, out-elect them 2-1 to one on seats, 36-18. So when you think about that, uh, there's still a lot of ground to make up. I did say one of the big stories always following elections and always in those weeks after elections is the leadership. I think this was a big-time indictment of the view of, the, of how people are perceiving the NDPs right now. I think with what happened before the last provincial election where the party kind of imploded and a bunch of cabinet ministers had resigned or, you know, and they called uh, kind of finding no confidence in their leader and then their leader still stuck around and won the impromptu leadership convention, the party was kind of left crippled and destroyed. And I mean, to go from having an overwhelming majority to not having, uh, to having just an underwhelming minority is a pretty big indictment of where people are viewing your party. And again, last election had a much higher voter turnout than this one. You're going to need to see a huge rebuild here on the, on the NDP part. I think that, in my opinion, truly is going to be the next step for the NDP. I don't know where you go. Uh, they have lost a number of their strong candidates. Uh, Jennifer Howard's no longer there. Carrie Irvin Ross, I don't think, is, uh, is representing the party anymore. <coughs> Pardon me. Andrew Swan, uh, longtime MLA from Minto. Uh, I think he's made the jump federally now. So the, the provincial uh, NDP might be at the very weakest I've seen them in a long time. And this is just as an observation. And I, again, this isn't me picking on them. It's just Facts are facts. I think if the party wants to come back from this, they need to do have some hard meetings, some hard looks in the mirror uh, to truly reevaluate where they see themselves as a party and where they see themselves moving forward. That's going to be, in my opinion, uh, the biggest step that they need to take. 
Where do we go from here? Is it a problem with our leadership? Let's build up that machine again. Because when the NDP machine was going, they were tough to beat. Uh, I know from when I ran, it was uh, one of the biggest things to overcome was the volunteer system. Everything they had in place was all about turning out that machine. And so for them to get back to kind of those days, there's going to be a lot of rebuilding needing to be done. Uh, some, as I said, some very difficult conversations being had in those rooms. I don't envy them where they're at right now, but it doesn't look good for them right now. PCs, on the other hand, uh, despite uh, which side you stood on the healthcare thing, again, this was an indictment of Brian Powell's performance. Yeah, they might have lost a couple of seats, but they still formed the majority government, and by a lot. Uh, I think the PCs, again, are now able to be in a position to continue the work they're doing. Uh, and as I said, I'm interested to see how the whole healthcare thing does work out, right? Whatever we hear of closings of or rebranding of or shifting of, we tend to get a little excited and emotional, thinking, uh-oh, people are losing jobs. Uh-oh, I'm going to have to wait. Uh-oh, cuts are being made. Uh-oh, availability is not going to be there. The idea and what they keep trying to tell Manitobans and what their plan is supposed to be based on is quicker access and better access. And I do know firsthand, I have family that works in the healthcare industry uh, from playing sports growing up and just various injuries and illnesses. Yeah, there, and you see it. Um, access to healthcare isn't where it should be in Manitoba. And even, and I think a lot of, I think if you ask the people, you have a lot of politicians, a lot of people involved. Manitoba is, is lagging behind a lot of other provinces. As I said, we were in the basement uh, when it comes to health care. Uh, now, again, it's uh, both a, a provincial and a federal issue in terms of just, you know, creating more uh, economic opportunities. But in terms of health care, uh, hopefully strides can be made now to really uh, boost our health care system and uh, give us that chance to be put back on the map, at least in, that, uh, in a better conversation. Right. So that's a big thing there. Also be interesting to see uh, what they do uh, in terms of boosting the economy. Right. Keeping that economy strong. Uh, as I've long said, uh, you know, things like minimum wage have to be watched. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, business taxation, all of these things, uh, as, as Brian Poster said, it's creating an environment where we're getting better health care, paying lower taxes, therefore keeping Manitobans healthier and more money on the kitchen table at home. I like that. I like, you know, and that, and that's the thing. Sometimes people forget tough decisions and being taking tough stances don't necessarily make them bad stances, right? And you can be a good person and not necessarily be nice, right? And that's the thing. I think good actions and good deeds oftentimes get associated and falsely with nice deeds and nice actions. It's nice when this. It's nice if this. This person is a nice person. Sometimes the people that are going to rip you off the most can be the nicest fucking people. Right? It's hard to get it's hard to be an asshole and rip someone off, right? But at the same time, you can be an asshole and still be doing good things. So it's an interesting dynamic, and I had this discussion I was when I was watching the results last night with my family. We were talking about this. And again, sometimes, you know, tough decisions have to be made. That doesn't make them bad decisions. And I think maybe that's where the voters saw this, as let's let this play out. Let's see. Maybe this isn't as bad 
as we would have once thought, right? If new schools are going up, healthcare, you know, better access to healthcare and better healthcare overall, these aren't the worst things in the world. Lower taxes? Fuck yeah, who doesn't want these things, right? So, again, I think we're going to see that. And it'll be an interesting kind of view, especially now going into this next federal election, uh, where the dynamics uh, party-wise are a little different, right? So, provincially, the incumbent was a right-leaning party. Federally now, the incumbents are a left, you know, a left-of-center party, so to speak, a lefter-leaning party. And that party isn't even the same one. So, in, in Manitoba, the opposition is the NDP. Federally, it's the Liberals that are the strong left side. So it'll be interesting to see there, uh, especially as we get across Canada now. We do have a number of uh, conservatives or PC or right-leaning uh, premiers across the province. So it'll be interesting to see now how the voters' mentalities and perceptions shift and balance uh, both provincially and federally uh, going in. Now, as I said uh, yesterday, uh, it would have been announced this morning, uh, a federal election being called. So let's um, see here uh, if I can Google uh, any uh, dates for uh, that upcoming election. As I said, I predicted it would be end of October, early November. So let's see. Polls, here you go. So it's going to be on October 21st. So, yeah, as I said, end of October, uh, and I think I'm hoping you see a little more out of uh, this federal election. Uh, this provincial election seemed to have the charisma of a fucking tree. Uh, it was dull. As I said, it was quiet. It just wasn't doing anything. Uh, even as I was watching it, just there just wasn't that energy. There wasn't. I remember when I ran, I was full of energy. You know, I owned that. I owned that responsibility. Uh, for me, and I was talking to Jess about this last night, how, believe it or not, last time, maybe I was still slightly bitter. I had other things going on in my life um, regarding that. And I think actually, sounds, I think my grandmother might have just passed away uh, right around then. Uh, so, you know, you, you just had other things going on. But I truly did feel reinspired. And a lot of people since the time I ran, and I was really young when I ran, uh, but... <clears throat> People ask me, are you going to get back into politics? You should, really, Sonny, you should really get back into politics. Sonny, I think, you know, you might be what uh, politics needs. I felt for the, for the first time in a long time politically inspired last night. And um, I don't know that that, aspira that inspiration came for the reasons that people might have thought they would have come for us. To me, that inspiration wasn't an indictment of just wanting, uh, you know, to be involved on a winning side or whatever, it was truly to go back to being why I set out to be in politics when I was younger. It was to be that voice for people. And I think that's the thing too. Voters need to be inspired to get out and vote. When I ran, I increased the vote for the candidate of my party by 50%. So I received 50% more votes uh, from in my election than the previous candidate that was representing my party had in the election prior to that. I took great pride in that. And I looked at that kind of glass half empty. Everybody looked at a glass half full, but for one, one of those times, this was one of those times I looked at a glass half empty. And people said, well, you got 1,770 votes. And I said, yeah, but that's 1,770 people that I need to apologize to for not getting it done. 
they they wanted me. They needed me. They came out. They voted. I didn't have any family in the area, so these were all strangers voting for me. And they came out. They showed their support. And we and 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 we weren't part. We were not the incumbent party. We didn't have party momentum. We had nothing going on our side. And I grounded out. And I take pride in the work that I put into it. That my volunteers put into it. That all my believers, supporters put into it. All my donors put into the campaign. Uh, I was knocking doors 12, 14 hours a day through that summer. I knocked on every door in that right. I didn't. I might not have gotten to speak to every constituent. I do apologize for that. Uh, but I was out there doing a lot of my own grunt work, having a hands-on in my own campaign, all of that, and trying to go out there and be the champ. And, I mean, I, it, it's tough. It was a fucking grind. Uh, so to all of you out there um, that ran yesterday and weren't successful, still a big congratulations to you. Uh, hold your head up high. Uh, someone that's been in the trenches there, too. I know what you've done. I know what you went through. Bless your heart uh, and, and stay positive because you should be proud of yourself for that. I know people used to tell me that and I didn't buy it, but I fucking get it. You know, as I've gotten older here, a little bit wiser, uh, absolutely, I fucking get it. And uh, good on all of you. Uh, you really should all be proud of yourself. Um, now, and with that being said, I felt inspired last night. I felt that, you know what, the voters weren't inspired. That's why people didn't fucking go out there to vote. They didn't either, A, make sure their candidate, their choice was going to win. They didn't care to overthrow. It, it, there was just no, it, it seemed like this was one of the most uncharismatic provincial elections I've ever witnessed. And I don't really know where, why or where that, you know, where that came from. That was my perception. I felt inspired. I felt like, you know what? Manitobans deserve at least one candidate who's going to go out there and give a shit and uh, will need. And for me, again, I just, I felt inspired last night, but I don't know. That doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I'm diving headfirst back into politics, uh, not by any means, but I did uh, feel very inspired and very proud of what I was able to do back then. Uh, so, and, and I can just imagine that, yeah, in terms of individual wins, Yes, there are things to be proud of. There are things to take as a win. Um, on a bigger picture, I don't know as a party you should be that certain party should be taking pride in their accomplishments uh, that weren't really accomplishments. Uh, so I, I do think the interesting storylines there coming out of this election are going to be what happens with the three leaders. Uh, the Greens are another interesting thing. They did not manage to win a seat at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, their leader... Uh, James Bedham uh, ran in Fort Rouge this time. He had won, ran in Wolseley previously, and I forget where else he had run. Um, but nonetheless, James Bedham did not win. Uh, it was interesting enough a ch the choice uh, to go into uh, Fort Rouge, which is such a stronghold for the big parties. It just seems a little uh, strange uh, to have picked that, especially when you're going against a, uh, a party leader. So Wab Canoe, who's the leader of the NDP, was in Fort Rouge. He was the incumbent. He had won it in a by-election, um, I believe, after Jennifer Howard had stepped down. Maybe even Jennifer Howard had stepped down prior to that election and Wab Canoe came in. That could have also been the case. Not totally sure. I, I believe that might, was the case. 
Bob Kennedy won it in uh, the last uh, election. Regardless, uh, and the last election I think was in 2016. Um, nonetheless, with Rob Canoes uh, as the leader there, it was just it was a little interesting for James Benham to run there. He came in third. Uh, as long as I've known, he's been the leader now for at least three elections, possibly even four. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the three leaders of the three relatively quote unquote major parties uh, to see just what happens. Will Wab Canoe's leadership be called into question? I don't know. Do they give him uh, a second chance? We'll see. The Liberals, uh, Dougal Lamont did win his seat, uh, which is a little different than the case last time where Rana Bokhari did not win her seat uh, provincially. I think she ran in Fort Rouge, uh, and Rana did not win her seat. Uh, so that that there, again, that's an interesting thing. The leader uh, did pull out the victory for the Liberals. Uh, Cindy Lamaru, having won now two consecutive elections and in two different uh, ridings. Interesting again there as well. And last but not least, again, those Greens. They didn't pick up any votes. Apparently, David Mycars or something, I think is his name, they felt was their best chance. I always like to think that it should be your leader is your best chance to get the seat, and that's the seat you're kind of most invested in. But nonetheless, they didn't get a seat. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out now uh, for those three parties. For me, it's a little early to make any predictions just based on how it all played out. I wasn't expecting the NDP to really make up much ground on the PC, if any. As I said, this was a very uncharismatic uh, provincial election, in my opinion, just in terms of the energy level. So, again, we'll see how this all plays out. But that's going to be, I think, the biggest storyline you're going to see coming out of this election is that idea of the three-party leaders What's going to happen there? John Gerard, who's no longer leader, still winning for the Liberals. That's a, that's another uh, relatively crazy fact. The guy just has—I think he was saying yesterday—this is the sixth election he's won. He's been there ever since 1999. It's 20 years now. He has served the people of uh, River Heights. So I mean, he's doing something right. Uh, but nonetheless, I do um, I do appreciate everybody that did run. It does take a tremendous amount of effort. Uh, mentally, psychologically, physically, financially, everything to run. So big congratulations to everyone. That's done. The focus now is on to the federal election. Uh, We're going to be keeping an eye on that and talking about that here on the Seems Legit podcast, uh, offering key storylines to follow. Uh, But nonetheless, this has been your kind of uh, provincial election wrap-up for Manitoba 2019. Once again, the PCs did win, forming a majority government with 36 seats, the NDP status. I do think, oh, and I should say, uh, of those three big parties, uh, all three leaders did win their seats. Uh, Brancher was reelected in Fort White. That riding is one of the safest in the PC um, kind of library of riding. It's never not gone PC, from what I understand. NDP leader Wab Canoe was reelected in Fort Rouge. Liberal leader Dougal Lamont was reelected in St. Boniface, which infamously enough was the former writing for Greg Selinger, who was a former premier and leader of the NDP. Uh, the leader of the Green Party, James Benham, did not uh, win his seat, unfortunately. So uh, as I said, that's the party there that's going to be an interesting one to follow. I don't know if they ran a full slate of candidates this time. Uh, that's something to look into. But nonetheless, 
the three bigger parties, all three of their leaders won. So that, I mean, produces an interesting dynamic there moving forward. So it's a little too easy, a little too early, in my opinion, to see how this all plays out. But over the next few months, do look for some shifts. Do look for some position plays. I think they're going to wait and see what happens federally, see where the parties kind of line up federally and what momentum we kind of drag out of the fall and into the early winter and into early 2020. So keep an eye on that. We'll be keeping an eye on that here on the Seems Legit podcast. We'll be talking about it. We'll be bringing on guests to talk about it. So uh, exciting things planned here on the Seems Legit podcast. I do thank you all for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit podcast. Really, it does mean a lot to me. So thank you all so much for that. Uh, last but not least, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit podcast. And uh, if you went out and voted yesterday, thank you so much. Uh, not not for me, I didn't. I wasn't running, but just for being part of the election process. Anyway, if you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. I thank you so much for tuning in this episode of the Seems Legit podcast. Take care and bye bye for now.